Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. I'm your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, today, today we are, have a, uh, a topic we're going to get to, but first, uh, as we always open, we hit up the uh, primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox uh, for today's uh, comment from a uh, listener. Uh, you too can hit us up at primarycarepod at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, jokes, uh, anything else, uh, sponsorship opportunities, uh, question mark. Uh, today, we have a joke. Uh, today, uh, the joke comes from an anonymous viewer, or an anonymous listener, sorry, Uh the question, uh, the joke today is, hey, Dr. List, do you think, given the COVID-19 pandemic and increasing death rates, do you think that we'll, we will see glass coffins be a success? Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. I, I hope you got it. I hope you got it. It seems like a clear business model to me. Um, hopefully, it's the final nail in the coffin for uh, for wood. All right, I'm, I'm done. Okay, Bob, hit the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past, or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List. Here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Party people, pod people, pod girls, pod boys. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List, uh, your, co- your COVID companion, uh, your best friend, uh, your favorite podcasting host, uh, you are uh, in for a treat today. Uh, Bob actually picked out the article today, so be gentle if you don't like it. Uh, we're going to go a little lighthearted for today. Uh, this is not a serious one. Uh, we're going to make it short and sweet today. Uh, but there's a, a really interesting preprint article on whether or not dogs are better than the COVID-19 nasopharyngeal swab. Uh, we talked about antibody testing uh, on, on the last podcast, talked about uh, pros and cons, goods, bads. Uh, I have to I have to say this one, I think um, this one, I think, is is pretty awesome because, you know, it, it's we know that the false positive uh, or there are very few false positive with the nasopharyngeal swab. Yep. But there's a 30 percent or so uh, false negative rate with these nasopharyngeal swabs. So this process this process that they had, these were dogs that were trained to sniff out COVID-19. Now, again, this is a, a preprint. This is a this has not been uh, uh, not been vetted out. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to make any claims of anything that may or may not uh, be real once there's a, a peer-reviewed research here. Uh, but I think this is a really interesting study to look at. So this came out on uh, June 5th, 2020. Uh, it's from a bunch of researchers in Paris, incidentally. Um, and uh, there are some uh, other, other uh, but, uh, all French studies, but some uh, veterinarian services, or uh, one place was called Sypno uh, uh, Pro Detection Dogs. That was one. Uh, Diagnose was number two. And so this is not the first time that somebody has looked at using dog's sense of smell to diagnose uh, lots of different things or, or be involved with lots of different discussions. Uh, there's a ton of research on here. We're not going to go and label them. So dogs obviously have been, uh, have been used to detect volatile organic compounds, uh, bomb sniffing dogs, for example, 
And so tracking dogs have been uh, have been able to be trained in looking for these volatile explosive chemicals. Uh, we also know that there have been many studies on dogs and colorectal cancer screening uh, as some some kind of um, something about the malignancy puts off some kind of different odor than normal stools. And this is there. There are many studies. In fact, there are exhaustive. There's two hundred. There's two thousand six hundred publications on on PubMed. If you just search uh, dog detection cancer, uh, and then when you there's there's even a review study about this. Uh, this so this is not new. This is uh, there's other there's other disease being explored like ovarian cancers, uh, Parkinson's disease, etc. Uh, but colon cancer is really well documented that this can be a, a case. Uh, dogs, this is not just the first infectious disease. Uh, dogs have been shown to uh, locate eggs of uh, gypsy moths and other uh, insects and parasites uh, to a really really strong degree. So uh, certainly, this is not the first time that somebody has come up with this idea. So. What they did was these were people who were positive, negative. They had they had a dog sniff armpits. Armpit sniffing dogs are going to cure COVID, the pandemic. That's that's what's going to save us. Uh, but shockingly, uh, very, 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 very accurate. Uh, not surprisingly, if you've seen the colon cancer data, that you'd be super surprised by this. Uh, but they taught them uh, how to smell. And they had all these different dogs. Great names, by the way. Guess, Gun, Bruce, Oslo, Diablo. Fiji, that's a French name, Jet, Joy, Lesko, Loki, uh, Micah, Phoenix, Asco, HK, Minty, Nikita, Belle, and Jackie. Uh, so pretty interesting dog names. And so what they did was, uh, this was very safe because COVID really does not transfer to dogs. Uh, it does transfer to cats, uh, but dogs, uh, they, they did have one infection, but the dog had a very low positive rate and was not contagious. Uh, so the dog could actually get it, but at a very low level. Again, maybe this is the same thing we're dealing with when we talk about kids. Um, just having fewer nasopharyngeal receptors and just being with a higher innate immunity, just not being affected as much. So they trained these dogs and they had these, they, they did testing samples. There's some beautiful pictures in the study, by the way, as I'm, as I'm scrolling through. Beautiful pictures of how they tested the dogs and how they positively marked or negatively marked um, whether or not a sample was positive. And then they looked at the uh, at these cases. So they brought these dogs and there were eight that, that were put through the training, okay? And the ends for each animal ranged from 15 all the way up to 68. So some dogs were given 68 trials and they had the amount of correct identifying and so the percent of success rate okay so when it came to four of the dogs half of the dogs had 100 percent success rate 68 out of 68 68 out of 68 um then there were the lowest end there were two dogs that were uh, 83 percent 84 percent that was the lowest the lowest uh uh rate of success so even that is better than your uh, 30% false negative rate. Uh, so again, uh, really, really, really good success. Uh, the two other dogs were 90, 94%. So this was the first time that they've that they've done this. But imagine, imagine if you would, you know, people hate the nasopharyngeal swab. What happens if we just train all these dogs, right? And most of them are German shepherds, but some of them are other ones, um, to smell people's armpits. And this dog could just chill with me all day in my clinic. And if somebody thought they were COVID positive, we'd send the dog in, we'd have the patient lift up their shirt uh, and, and present their armpit to the dog. 
dog would walk in, sniff the armpit. I could be outside the room, virtual visit camera. Uh, just uh, We could have a, a laptop that's just focused in on the bed. And the dog can then point positive or ignore it and just keep walking around negative. And we'd have a really, really accurate test uh, for for COVID-19. So I, I'm going to propose to the animal medical group. Uh, I know that one of my clinic administrators is listening to this. I think that we need to invest in COVID-19 smelling dogs as a way to get out of this pandemic. Okay. I think, I think forget nasopharyngeal swabs, forget antibody tests, forget all that garbage, forget all the spending. We're going to train dogs to smell armpits. And, th- and that's it, right? Bill Gates can just throw a billion dollars at me right now. I'll take it. I'll take it and we can run with this. And South Dakota, oh, uh, my, I mean my state, uh, we can be the trial run and we can figure out how to test for COVID-19 using dogs, dogs smelling armpits. That's the end, period. So what did we learn today? Absolutely nothing. But I hope you had fun listening to this and dogs are the future. Uh, maybe you learned that dogs can smell colon cancer pretty well. That's that's actually pretty well verified at this point, um, that that's very accurate. Uh, and that there are now trials for ovarian cancer, uh, Parkinson's disease, using dogs to smell these things as well. Whether or not we ever get to this point clinically is probably, you and I both know it's probably not going to be a thing. But it's hilarious to know. And also, though, I think this lends more into the fact that there are other potential targets that we might be missing, right? We talked about the urea breath test. We talked about the stool engine. We talked about, um, you know, we have kind of one scent test with that breath test. It's not even a scent test. Um, But maybe we're missing the boat on a whole line of diagnostics, right? We We have dogs. We can study their noses. We can study their olfactory receptors. We can study how they process that chemical and how and how finely tuned their noses are for this for this duty. Why can't we make a a scientific contraption with the accuracy? Imagine for colon cancer. Imagine for COVID nineteen. If it could just be a scent test, uh, apply it to the skin, uh, get some, uh, you know, rub the skin. I don't know, secrete some glands out of the axilla. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how it'll. I don't know how it works. But I'm just we're missing the boat. I think on diagnostics, and I think it's just too expensive to develop new lines of diagnostics than it is to just train a dog. So. Are dogs cheaper than developing new line diagnostics? Maybe, but imagine if it was that easy. And imagine if so. When we think about we think about new technology and new scientific exploration and cracking mysteries of cancer and cancer detection. Imagine if we could have a way to detect ovarian cancer, breast cancer, uh, in a way that would be non-invasive, uh, would be cheap, right? Uh, uh, would be very uh, easy to reproduce, and yet would be very accurate. And so I think that these studies, while they are fun and no, you, you haven't learned anything new. I, I hope this, I hope this type of study encourages you to think about all of the other avenues in science that we just aren't exploring that have not been explored. Sometimes, you know, I like to look at what medicine was like back in like the 1920s, uh, 1880s, right? Even farther back, like what kind of witch doctory snake oil salesman physicians really were and how we think, you know, when we go through med school, PA school, NP school, whatever, we're restudying for boards and it looks like we have all these things figured out. And then, you know, SGLT, SGLT2s come on the market and it's some new target. And even though those new targets to new, new targets are incredibly kind of expensive or hard to reproduce or to make good of, 
this is why basic science research matters. And this is why things like having dogs smell armpits and diagnose COVID-19 better than nasal pharyngeal swabs, at least in small trial runs, matters because it should never, it should always be something that reinvigorates us into the importance of the scientific method. And the, the importance of random hypotheses and going to figure out if there's a better way, a simpler way, another way, a, a different way to do things that we're missing that might be better than what we're currently doing. And obviously we're not going to scale up and, 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 you know, dogs only live for so long. And is that, is that inhumane to make them do work for, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into a whole like other parts of this, what this would or would not mean. But I think that that's the part of medicine. That's part of science that always fascinates me because there's so much more to be discovered. And every time that we get one of these studies, it just pushes the envelope a little farther. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you didn't learn anything, but got some appreciation for some of the basic science work going on behind the scenes to try and fight the COVID pandemic, as well as those of us on the front line, not me on the front line, those people on the front line um, who are doing uh, work day in, day out on this. Uh, and I hope that you have a great weekend and a great rest of your week. Thanks. This has been Dr. Mark List uh, signing off for the Primary Care Podcast. You can contact us at primarycarepod at gmail.com. Uh, please like and subscribe on our Instagram and our Twitter and our Facebook and our Snapchat. And our TikTok, uh, those of you who saw Bob do the Macarena, that was pretty exciting on the TikTok. Uh, but please email us at primarycarepod at gmail.com uh, with any feedback. Uh, thanks uh, for listening again. This has been Dr. Mark List reminding you, you don't have to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a blessed week.